I don't like the garden, but I'm here to stay. Your papa won't be home till late. Send him down to the corner store to buy some ghost that's craving for. But you can't trust him down that road. He comes to papa with the wrong kind of load. Lordy children, what are you gonna do? Lord children, ain't no bread for you. Say the dying corn ain't cold. He comes to papa with the wrong kind of load. Welcome to the program. Your host of Body Old Codger. We opened up with uh, Camille Howard and the Fireball Boogie. And then Putney Dandridge gave us Here Comes Your Peppy with the wrong kind of load. Well, look, I, I want to thank the good doctor for substituting for me last week and for hosting the program. Now, our apologies to the listeners who reached out to the good doctor to see if uh, he can help with the regrettable side effects of the Del Barton vaccine. Uh, the, the Del Barton breakthrough vaccine. The side effects were regrettable and completely unforeseen, of course. Uh, these vaccines were scrupulously lab-tested for over two full weeks using real rats. And the vaccines were, were Bodenheim-tested as well. Uh, actually, there's some overlap in these two groups. Uh, of course, the Bodenheims in the test group were volunteers. So were the rats. No rodent was compelled to take part in the vaccine test. Every single rat who takes part in experimental testing at Del Barton Labs must sign a consent form. And they are adequately compensated as well, including full funeral benefits. Anyway, the results of that battery of two-week testing were conclusive. The science is settled. It's not just settled, it's incredibly settled. It's, it's awesomely settled. Those are undeniable categories of scientific settlement. Incredible and awesome. So when it comes to the Del Barton breakthrough vaccine, don't be one of those lousy deniers. Now, at some later date, Del Barton Labs plans to release a report uh, of the findings of those exhaustive tests that took place over the entire two-week span. But, but they're not releasing it now. The public simply is not ready to learn about these complicated, and some may say controversial, experiments. But in the meantime, the Del Barton breakthrough vaccine remains widely available. And by widely, I mean in six of New Jersey's 21 counties. Supplies are limited, so don't leave yourself vulnerable to obnoxious pathogens. Anyway, if you were one of the listeners who contacted the good doctor, no doubt you discovered that the good doctor does not have a medical degree from any reputable physician's academy. He has a degree in BOP science. And while he does use controlled substances, he is not qualified to prescribe any. But what a 78 RPM record collection, huh? The man has good taste, and that counts for something in the field of uh, epidemiology. It's quite rare for epidemiologists to have decent 78 RPM record collections. Well, right now, we have... 
another new sponsor on the Old Codger Radio Show. As you know, all the kids are into cryptocurrency these days. I have no idea what it's about, but thanks to the folks at Del Barton Capital, we are introducing a new cryptocurrency financial instrument, especially for the listeners of this program. And here's Gus Bodenheim to explain it to you. Hello, Gus Bodenheim here. And if you're anything like me, old, spent, and indifferent, you must think cryptocurrency is how Superman pays his veterinarian. Of course, I'm joking. Cryptocurrency is all the rage. It's the wave of the future. It's a raging wave with a cutting edge on its very tipping point. And woe betide the latecomer. That's why Del Barton Capital has developed Codger Coin. This is no mere e-cash, cyber boodle, or robo all. No, Kaja Coin is an entry-level crypto financial medium designed with the old, spent, and indifferent in mind. Now I know what you're thinking: whence Kaja Coin, and whither my wealth? Good questions. I'll explain. Understanding the reluctance of the mature investor to take a chance on new technology, a team of peer-reviewed techno smarty pants types at Del Barton Capital thought, why not exploit old technology to wit the vast unsustainable accumulation of electro-ephemera clogging the nation's attics, landfills, and thrift stores? Discarded speaking spells, Furbies, Tamagotchis, Merlin and Simon games, and the like, all linked using board-certified HDMI technology to mine vast virtual amounts of Kaja coin. You might wonder, is it fungible? For the first time, Kaja coin allows you to set your preferred level of fungibility. Furthermore, its buying power does not stop when you run out of Kaja coin. Introducing the innovative EIOU. Spend a buck buck here and a buck buck there, and you'll have bought the farm long before anybody realizes they've been had. Kaja coin, the money of the future for the man of the past.
woke up this morning all by myself. Please come back to me, but I want nobody else. For how long? Oh, how long? Baby, how long? I heard the whistle blow. The train began to blow. It took away my baby, and I'll never love no more. For how long? Oh, how long? Baby, how long? sorts of medicines that you can buy no matter what ailment you've got but I know a special one you ought to try you'll find it the best of the lot it's me Auntie Maggie's homemade remedy it's guaranteed never to fail that's the stuff that will do the trick it's sold at every chemist for one and a kick. Now if you get lumbago, rheumatics or gout, or a pain in your robotilly, don't kick up a shindy, you'll never get windy with Auntie Maggie's remedy. If you set your alarm clock for eight in the morning, you're bound to wake up, I'll agree. But I'll bet you by heaven, <laughs> you'll wake up at seven <laughs> with me Auntie Maggie's remedy. In the young lady's bedroom, I went by mistake. My intentions were honest, you see. <laughs> she shouted with laughter, ha <laughs> I know what you're after. It's me Auntie Maggie's remedy. Yes, sir. Oh, me Auntie Maggie's homemade remedy. It's guaranteed never to fail That's the stuff that will do the trick Sold at every chemist for one and a kick Now when the baby starts crying There's always a reason And if you inspect him, you'll see Oh, the poor little chap Has covered his nappy With Auntie Maggie's remedy now I went to the doctor, I wasn't too well 
and they made me lie on the settee. He said, there's trouble brewing, you've been overdoing your Auntie Maggie's remedy. Now I know a girl who was putting on weight in a spot where it just shouldn't be. So I said to Nelly, now you rub your ankle with Auntie Maggie's remedy. There were three bears. A papa bear, and a mama bear, and a baby bear. They lived in the house. The mama bear had made some porridge, but it was much too hot. They decided to take a walk, a walk through the park. While away from the house along came Goldilocks. She noticed no one home, so in the house she went. And there she saw three chairs. The papa's chair was much too hot, and mama's chair was much too soft, and the baby's chair was just right. But she broke it all to pieces. Then she noticed the porridge. Papa's porridge was much too hot. Mama's porridge was much too cold. The baby's porridge was just right, and she ate it all up. Then ah. she noticed the stairs up to the bedroom. There she saw three beds. The papa's bed was much too hot, and mama's bed was much too soft. The baby's bed was just right, she fell asleep. Along came the three bears. The papa bear said somebody was in our house. Mama bear said somebody was in our house. The baby bear said somebody was in our house. I wonder who it can be. The papa's bear said somebody sat in my chair. The mama bear said somebody sat in my chair. And the baby bear said somebody sat in my chair and broke it all to pieces. They noticed the porridge was eaten. The papa's porridge was much too hot. The mama's porridge was much too cold. The baby porridge was just right, but it was all eaten up. Ah! And they noticed footsteps. Up the stairs they went. And there they saw the bedroom door was open. In they went. Papa Bear said, somebody messed up my bed. Mama Bear said, somebody messed up my bed. The baby bear said, somebody messed up my bed. And there she is, Goldilocks. Waking her up with the start, away she ran, out the window, away from the bears, running, 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 away. The bears came back home and closed their doors. And they lived ever happily ever after. And that is the story of the three little
In that set of music, we started out with Fats Waller and Fair and Square. Then Boots and his buddies with How Long Blues, Part 2. George Formby sang about Auntie Maggie's Remedy. Sam Ulano, my old friend Sam, uh, did uh, Drum's Fairy Tales, uh, about the Three Bears. And then Jabba Williams did Jab's Blues. That last recording by Jabba Williams, I, I bought it recently using Kaja coin. The seller wanted $3,500 for that rare disc, but I convinced him that $3,500 at the current exchange rate equals exactly one codger coin. So now I have the record, and he has one codger coin. <laughs> I offer one word of caution about this cryptocurrency. Uh, many of you youngsters, you know, those under, let's say, the age of 85, do not yet understand the full uses of codger coin. It should not be used, for example, to uh, tip the ladies at the local gentleman's club. Do not attempt to pay floozies in crypto. They want greenbacks, and some still accept uh, cigarettes and free drinks. Now, speaking of Gus Bodenheim, who we heard before, our staff commercial announcer, Gus's most recent literary blockbuster, A Fistful of Chuck, has sold out its first printing. It was issued by... Del Barton Press, of course. Yet somehow, this literary tour de force failed to make the bestseller lists. Now, apparently what happened was, on the day that Gus's book was scheduled to run through the printing presses at Del Barton, there was a power outage. A, a short circuit, apparently, caused by uh, a rat who escaped from the vaccine testing underway at nearby Del Barton Labs. Uh, the presses were shut down for most of the day, and only 15 copies of the book were produced, and they, they flew off the bookstore shelves. <laughs> and they are now collector's items, trading hands for over $20. And by over $20, I mean one copy sold for $21. Uh, it will soon be issued in a special edition by the Woodpulp Derivative of the Month Club. Uh, if you are a subscriber, you will see it in one of their forthcoming catalogs. Now let's go back to the fine music. On the Old Codger Radio Show, programmed by The Old Codger, from the 78 RPM record collection of The Old Codger, broadcasting from the Pouton Shanty, owned and operated by The Old Codger. Me, in case you were wondering. Bird, my dear, how many baby blue eyes? 
business now. He likes a saxophone. I never cared for a saxophone, but he likes a saxophone. That's my weakness now. He likes those rainy days. And I never cared for a rainy day, but he likes a rainy day. That's my weakness now. Oh, let it rain. Let it fall. Cause I think he knows just what it's raining for. He likes a long good night. And I never had a long good night, but he likes a long good night. So that's my weakness now. And he likes And I never can But he likes So that's my weakness now. And he likes I think I have some news that might interest you. News that might interest me? I think so. Well, what is it? Well, do you know that people say that you have a brand new bow? Oh, who told you? Well, is it true? <laughs> yes, it's really so. I hear he treats you roughly. Now, now, just a minute. That I must deny. I'll admit he talks to me a bit gruffly. <laughs> but he's some guy. What's he like? Hmm? I say, what does he look like? Oh, he's six feet tall, weighs 15 stone 10. Do you really care for such great big men? <laughs> Teddy, it's a pleasure. He takes me out riding every night through Hyde Park. Aren't you afraid out there in the dark? Don't be silly. It's a pleasure. One thing I'd like to know, has he got a lot of dough? He hasn't got a dime. Well, then tell me why you like this guy. Like? Yes. Well, I like the way he spends his time. But when he calls on you, does he stay very late? <laughs> I give him six nights a week to recuperate. I can't do any more than that. And it's a pleasure. Another thing. Does he hug you tight? <laughs> I just gasp for breath. Are you nervous then? <laughs> Scared of death. What a death and what a pleasure. And he's so big and strong and he gets so wild. What if he breaks loose? Oh, don't be a child. What if he does break loose? What's the difference? It's a pleasure. And you say he only calls on you one night a week? Calls on me one night a week. To me, that's rather vague. Must I explain? Yes. Well, come on now, use your brain. Do you think I want to kill the goose that laid the golden egg? Gee, I'd like to be like him and get a girl like you. What was that remark? I said I'd like to be like him and get a girl like you. <laughs> say a girl like me would kill a guy like you. <laughs> and you'll admit it would be a pleasure. At the top of that set, on the Old Codger Show, we heard the Brock Sisters with How Many Times? Then Frankie Trumbauer and his orchestra with I Like That. Helen Kane sang That's My Weakness Now. And Sophie Tucker with It's a Pleasure. Most of the music in the preceding set was from the Roaring Twenties. Not, not these Roaring Twenties, the other one. This is my second go-around with the Roaring Twenties. I'm sure that the first ones were much better. Anyway... So, so last week, as I mentioned, uh, the good doctor filled in for me, and uh, some listeners wanted to know why I wasn't here last week. Well, I, I, I can't fully explain my absence. I have a vague recollection of being abducted by aliens from a far-off planet. By, by the way, all the planets are far off. Uh, these aliens had heard my radio shows 
uh, drifting around in outer space. That's where my programs go after they are broadcast here on Earth. Uh, the signals escape from the Earth's atmosphere, and they go into outer space, and they can be heard forever throughout the galaxy, across time and space. This is, uh, this is what's known as the Old Codger Radio Archives. Anyway, th the aliens wanted to know about Sophie Tucker. They heard her on my, my archived programs, and they were very interested in her. Sophie has some strange magnetism for extraterrestrials. They, they wanted to know if she would come perform for them on their planet. They didn't say which planet. They offered first-class travel, a five-star hotel, and six-legged male escorts. But I told them Sophie is a little difficult to get a hold of these days because, uh, because, because she died 55 years ago. Well, the aliens were not satisfied with my answer. So they took me to Paramus, and they abandoned me in a shopping mall. I think. I mean, this could have been a fever dream. It's, it's all kind of fuzzy. But you know what? You know what? Right now, it's time for another major motion picture starring Flip the Frog! You know, when they first introduced Flip the Frog, uh, they, they gave him a catchphrase. The, the catchphrase was, Yip, yip, yee! Uh, there's four E's in yee! Uh, but, but because the films were silent... He could not utter this clever catchphrase, so it never caught on. By the time they introduced sound to uh, Flip the Frog, uh, major motion pictures, they didn't give him much dialogue, so the catchphrase was never used. But I'm telling you, because you might want to add this clever catchphrase to your slang vocabulary. Yip, yip, yee! Just remember, there's four E's in ye. So we're going to hear the soundtrack, uh, Puppy Love. It's from 1932. In this major motion picture, the supporting actors and the featured cameos are uh, there's Julius and Ulysses Wifferbat, the brothers, uh, Sparklets Siphon, Hector Nembutal, another appearance by the great Raul, Raul, Raul Jr., Jr., is the son of Raul, Raul, Raul Jr., uh, then uh, Kip Mousley's brother, Mickey Mousley, and a rare screen appearance by the retired baseball player, uh, Robert Death to Flying Things Ferguson.
stand to lead us from Wheel horse broke that wagon Oh, man. 
Well, in the final set of music for this week's program, I was started out with the soundtrack of the major motion picture Puppy Love, starring Flip the Frog. After that was uh, Denis Kane with uh, Le Premier Rendezvous. Ike Robinson and his band gave us uh, Wake Up Sinners and Duke Ellington. Because today is his birthday. He's 122 years old. <laughs> Just a kid. Uh, we heard Solitude from Duke Ellington. You know, uh, uh, Flip the Frog uh, uses the same lawyers as Gus Bodenheim. Those lawyers have correspondence school credentials, and they're usually drunk by noon. Uh, but they know how to maximize billable hours. Well, this is Courtney T. Edison, the O'Codger on WFMU. Look, I know how much you love today's show. And if you want to thank me personally, you can call me at my bunker in East Orange. You know, it's been a while since I gave my phone number over the air. So I'm going to give you my phone number. Uh, you should go get, go get a pencil. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'm just going to have a drink while you go get your pencil. Okay, you, you're back now? You got the pencil? Okay. My phone number was the same number I've had since 1892. My phone number is 6. Okay, well, ho- give me a call sometime. I'm more than happy to talk to you about the show only. Uh, this is WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and uh, online at WFMU.org. The Old Kaiser Radio Network now leaves the air. This concludes our program schedule for the day. Portions of the preceding broadcast day were pre-recorded. For the best in entertainment, we'll return to the air tomorrow with more of your favorite programs. And now, our national anthem. Gertrude Stein lay dying on her deathbed, which was a good choice. She had started out on her sickbed, but then thought, well, you know, change is good. Well, she lay there dying, and she looked up at her companion, Alice B. Toklas, and she said, Alice, what is the answer? What is the answer? And Alice says, what was the question? So that version I actually got from a Shelley Berman album, The Comedian. Now, I'm not sure that's exactly how it went down. My understanding is that Gertrude asked the question and Alice just sort of stared at her because what are you going to say? And then later thought, yeah, now what's, what was the question? What is the answer? What are the questions? That's, those are both difficult questions, aren't they? I can't answer them. But I am going to try to answer some questions today merely as a way of demonstrating that questions are more important than answers, that answers are always sort of made up in an attempt to speak to the subject that the question poses. But they're not always easy, especially if the question is not specific. Now, if you were to ask me, What time is it? I could answer that probably. What is time? Forget it. We're going to have a very long conversation. At the end of it, we're going to probably make a phone call to a physicist. So really what I'm going to do is I'm going to answer some questions or try to or speak about them or repeat the question a lot rhythmically um, for entertainment purposes. I got these questions from you, my friends. I said, do you have any questions for me? And I anticipated that some of them would be serious. Say, what, you know, what's your favorite kind of ketchup? Um, Some of them would be silly, like, you know, how many, I don't, can't even think of anything silly because I'm such a serious person. Uh, Some of them would be attempts at being clever, which is something I, I might do if I, or pun or something like that. Uh, and then some of them are, 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 are fairly wonderful. They're all wonderful because all questions are wonderful because you can steer the, as you know, if you've heard a politician pretend to answer a question, questions are really the point of departure 
for uh, either what you were already going to say or thinking out loud. Now, mine's going to be basically thinking out loud because I don't want to deceive you. Answers can be so dangerous. If you ask me a question and I answer it sincerely and with some kind of look in my eye that convinces you that I know what I'm talking about, so many of us doubt our own abilities and our own intellect and we are susceptible to those who we believe are confident and capable and more intelligent than we are. And so we might see that answer as a definitive answer and change our life. Now, I would never do that to you. Uh, I would either give you some answers to choose from or repeatedly tell you I don't know and invite you to my answer search. What my answer search is basically is you ask me something and I go to my mind palace, the, the rundown mansion that I visualize in my head, and I start rummaging around and looking for things that might pertain to what you've said. So if you ask me what my favorite food is, I might go into my mind palace kitchen and start rummaging around in there and say, oh, I forgot I even liked um, wonton noodles, fried wonton noodles that come. Remember they used to, you'd go to a, Chinese restaurant, they have a whole bowl. Even if you didn't order soup, they would go like, go ahead, knock yourself out. These are cheap. And you'd say, thank you so much. I now feel sick, so I won't be getting an entree. Thank you for coming. May I have my cookie, though? Yes. Cookie, open up. Fortune says, you're going to make yourself sick on the appetizer or the chips. And they're right every time. But I always have, did you save room for dessert, they'll ask you. Well, where is the room where? Exactly. I have room in my fridge. I'll take it home there. I don't know about my stomach. Someone offered me a piece of pie the other day. I was at their house and they said, would you like a piece of cherry pie? I was like, yeah, cherry pie is my favorite. I said, love it. And I thought they meant to take home with me. But they're like, put it on a plate and give me a spoon or fork and say, here. Oh, well, I don't want it right now. I didn't. I thought they meant take some with me. So I had to sit there and eat a piece of cherry pie that I wasn't really into. I wasn't, wasn't hungry because I didn't want to point out that there would been a misunderstanding. I was embarrassed. That's so funny because that embarrasses me. But if my pants fell off, I'd be like, I'm just a human being. I don't know. I have different rules uh, for myself than I have for others. So that's, that's dumb. I'm going to now begin these reading these questions. And this is very exciting. Some of you say, oh, I bet I'm going to find out all about Hardy. Oh, no, you won't. Um, well, you might. It's always interesting when somebody else sees something in you that you don't see. I guess that's entirely possible. I have a, all of you have a better understanding of the back of my head than I do. I've just, you've spent more time with it. And if we've been on a long car trip, you may have studied it. Like, like the moon. Say, look at that. At first, you look at a human head and it looks smooth. But I'm looking at Hardy's head and it looks like it's been hit by meteors or something. And perhaps it, it has. It is. It's taken a lot of blows off of the... A lot of what you're seeing are, are the inside of a car trunk. Because I come up on it, especially the locking mechanism. Uh, I've never knocked myself cold, though. I had a friend that did that. He bumped his head and he knocked himself out. I've never gone that far. I always have 